I had the body removed to our plot, and I have visited it over the years. No doubt people talk about that. They say, well, she hardly knew the man. Isn't she a cranky old maid? It is true, I have not married. I never had time to fool with it. I heard nothing more of the Texas officer Labeef. If he is yet alive, I would be pleased to hear from him. I judge he would be in his 70s now, and nearer 80 than 70. I expect some of the starch has gone out of that cowlick. Time just gets away from us. Everybody. Welcome to Generation Lost, the show about movies with Bryn and Jeremy. That doesn't take itself too seriously. That's uh, right. <laughs> and we're here again in the dojo, in the in the pod zone, in the tra- in the training pod, and we are uh, entering the final week of the Dark Council's remake month. That's right. Our final week before whatever it is that they're going to give us for October for spooky season. I it's decided. one of the, it's one of the two dark council months in which we will impose restrictions. Otherwise they're free to do whatever they want with us, but October has to be spooky and December has to be stupid. <laughs> it has to be from the IMDb top two fifty, basically. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, you got to pick one. Uh, I don't know if we've actually ever said that because we didn't actually do it last year. Uh, because yeah. of the World Cup. Because of the World Cup and, and Qatar. And Qatar. And <laughs> I always think of Hassan Minaj saying Qatar uh, on his show. Yeah. Um, which I didn't know was pronounced that way. Um, but yes, this coming month will be spooky season, um, which they have decided upon. I don't want to say it quite yet because I don't No, I think it's locked in. Um, we'll say it at the end of the episode and I'll, yeah. after I double check. <laughs> uh, and they didn't lock in the movies, that's for sure. I think that's true. Uh, we do get, it's five weeks, so we get our own pick. We, Me Ooh. and Jeremy will have to, uh, we'll have to um, do the vote. They, we each pick one and then they vote on it. That's how fifth week goes. If you want to join the Dark Council, you can go to patreon.com slash generation loss and check out what that is. And of um, course, by the way, fifth week doesn't exist. Taco Bell invented it. Is that true? <laughs> I had no idea. I'm just a little I'm a little salty that my my tweet about fourth hole didn't uh, <laughs> didn't go over as well as I hoped to. <laughs> I don't know what that one is. Did you ever, did you see that one? there's the tweet that was going around that was a woman saying like treating uh, cheating on a woman who does all four holes whatever like and then everybody was like what's the fourth one and it said Taco Bell invented the fourth hole <laughs> uh, I don't know about this slogan they have a fifth night no they do a uh, fourth meal ah, and the, the idea was that meal. it was when they started extending drive through hours to 3 a.m. so they were, they were advertising it as fourth meal Mm. And I was comparing it to fourth hole. <laughs> <laughs> what is a fourth hole? Don't know. Nobody mm. knows what she was talking about. Hands? 
but you it, got two you of got them. A, you got, oh, that's true. Then it'd be five holes. It'd be five. <laughs> so what's the fourth? <laughs> I don't know. Don't know. Um, a mystery. It's a mystery about holes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I thought that was. I thought you were talking about like the third place. You know, people talk about the third place. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. It's like work, home, and another place where you hang out. The secret third one, yeah. The secret third thing. Um, It looks like they did lock in the movies, by the way. Yeah, I know. That's what I thought. But uh, (laughs) I'm not up to date. You don't check the Discord. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So uh, we will be talking this week about the Coen Brothers movie, True Grit. Um, That's right. But before we get to that... I have to ask, as I do every week, Jeremy, <laughs> what did you watch this week? Thank you for asking, Bryn. You're welcome. Um, so in in um, in some sort of a solemn remembrance of winning time, rest in peace. R.I.P. Fuck uh, Max for that one. For real. Uh, so I watched um, I watched the uh, Magic and Bird documentary on HBO Max. I also watched uh, the Kareem uh, Minority of One documentary they're both super sick i don't really have a ton to say about them uh other than they're awesome and those guys are cool and (laughs) they're very neat little documentaries about cool guys in the 80s who played really good basketball it's interesting i don't really uh i don't like watching basketball very much Um, what i just find it like overstimulating in a weird way okay um i think the game is just too fast for me and so when I watch it, I kind of just get like, I feel like my eyes cross a little bit and I'm just like, I don't know what I'm watching here anymore. <laughs> like after like five minutes of it, I'm like, I got to take a break. This is a lot. Now, it's um, funny because you did you did you didn't watch uh, Celtics Lakers Best of Enemies. Is that also on HBO? Uh, that is I'll probably a, watch it. Honestly, <laughs> that is a uh, 2017 ESPN 30 for 30. Oh, OK, yeah. Um, uh, no, I just watched it because it came up as recommended after I finished winning time. Um, and, uh, oh, we haven't talked about winning time either. We haven't talked about winning time. Uh, maybe we'll, we'll devote, maybe that's next week's bonus. We'll do like half ranking, half, uh, talking about winning time. It's fair. Winning time season two. Yeah. And, and maybe just like the piece overall. But anyway, so those documentaries are cool. You should watch documentaries about basketball. It's a lot more enjoyable for me, at least, uh, than watching basketball. Um, cause it like, you get, you know, these kind of like longer storylines and, you get um it's more highlighty like you well, get you to see get like more context you get more context like, you don't always know unless you're like really deep into it like why is this game important at all like mm-hmm. is anything on the line do any of right. these players like need to do something to hit some benchmark it's like you have to pretty follow stats and and like other sports like news to like really know that stuff unless it's the championship right then obviously you know what's at stake but it's like little things like um like watching kareem hit the sky hook is like so fucking incredible yeah in highlight but in game like i've watched like longer highlights of kareem playing after watching winning time and i i I find myself again just being like i don't know it doesn't really have the same luster to it to watch like the play leading up to it and then him hit the sky hook. It's like, it's still cool, but like watching all the beautiful angles of it and the slow motion of it and just like how fucking <laughs> like how insane it is, how like he reaches up so high and then just does this like very microscopic little like, like soup. Like it's, 
<laughs> when you watch it in real time, it really looks like he's like just hucking the thing at the basket. <laughs> right. But then you see it in slow motion. You're like, no, it's like this really delicate move. And it swishes every time. He doesn't use the backboard for that shot at all, which is crazy. Anyway, he's watch, watch documentaries about basketball. It's really cool. Uh, the other thing I watched that I really want to talk about is uh, the 2023 American computer animated superhero film, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem. Oh, you saw it. I saw it. It's uh, now available on Paramount Plus, which means it will be available on Torrents as well. As soon as that my torrent tracker comes back. <laughs> um, it's really fucking up the show. <laughs> I will say, didn't like it that much. I thought, I kind of had a few, a couple more trailers came out where they talk more. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, this is for babies, like yeah. little babies. And it's like, I don't think that that, my feeling was like, I don't think that's a bad decision. No, because it's, it's a kids not, movie. It's just not going to be actually for me, and like I'm not going to love it. Yeah. So I mean, definitely like the 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 writing in it is not as good as I wanted it to be, and and that clip that was going around on Twitter of the bacon egg and cheese thing is really a high point comedically for the movie. And Uh it's just kind of the one time it happens. They don't really riff with each other as much as I thought they would. I was kind of expecting the whole movie to be them constantly like talking over each other and riffing and just kind of like bouncing stuff off of each other like that. And they really only do it the one time. And it kind of, in some ways it just stands out in the movie. It like feels weird that it's there once you see it in the whole piece. Cause you're like, they never, you know, they're not really otherwise like this. Uh, so why is it here in this one scene? It really feels like it was made for this exact purpose. Just to like have something go viral and, and exactly be, just to be a clip that you can just kind of cut and have throw a out there. Discourse about. Um, so that's a shame. Uh, generally speaking, it's not that funny and it's not that charming in that way. Um, What's it interestingly, about? Interestingly, it's it's so it's about um, you get the origin story, of course, um, and then well, what's uh, the origin? I mean, like. In they're the, they're in little the baby first... turtles and they're in the ooze. Okay. Uh, Do they and... talk when they're little baby turtles? No. Okay. No, the mutation makes them talk. Uh, Splinter gets mutated at the same time. And um, in this one, he's not a Japanese guy who becomes a rat. In this one, he's a rat who becomes a Japanese guy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's kind of stupid. Uh, he's not a ninja master. He like learns ninjutsu on YouTube and teaches it to the turtles. Okay. Um, and then there's this guy, Superfly, who uh, is a fly who was mutated. And uh, all the other mutants are also from the same ooze. They all got mutated at the same time. And basically, Superfly and his crew uh, are doing kind of like an X-Men movie thing where they're trying to make a machine that turns the whole... Uh, world into mutants um, to end sure. humans so that they can be accepted. Uh, and that's basically it. And the turtles are trying to stop them, uh, mostly for April. They don't really uh, know or like any other humans. They just like April. So they're like, we're trying to save April um, from being killed by the <laughs> mutants. That's funny. In what is otherwise, you know, the apocalypse. Um, and that's the basic, you know, story of the movie. Uh, I just like I don't know it just like it, it doesn't end up being as funny as you want it to be sure. um the characters are really poorly defined like the rules of everybody like there there's a lot of funny stuff with like Paul Rudd's character is a salamander who skateboards 
uh, and he's called Mondo Gecko. He's a gecko, I guess. He's a gecko sure. who skateboards. He's Mondo Gecko, and he's really funny. The first few times you see him, he's like a cowabunga guy, uh, and him and Mikey are like, you know, bouncing off each other with cowabunga shit. But uh, then, like, he just kind of drops that, and he talks normal a lot, and you're like, what the fuck? What? <laughs> What's the <laughs> point of the bit, then? He's supposed to be skateboard, you know, lizard. Uh, he have blonde hair? Like, he Mondo has gecko. hair on him? Or is that like a hat? Um, let me look. I don't really remember. Um, Some sort of like spiked up blonde hair looking. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's got like a backwards hat uh, and some, yeah, some hair, I guess. Um, the other big problem with the movie for me, uh, and you're going to hate to hear this, is that it actually doesn't look sick. Uh, <laughs> wow, really? It looks really cool a lot of the time. Um, like when it looks really cool, it looks really, really cool. Okay. But it actually, um, it, I I don't know what they do wrong here necessarily. I can't really pinpoint it technically, but there's like certain moments in the movie where it betrays itself. Right. So like the way that you do this style of, of animation, right. Is you're doing 3d animation, but you're using the textures to, you know, cheat it to make it look 2d. Right. That's yeah. the idea is you're using the power, the power of 3D to like make shots look really cool like hand and move painted. things around and stuff. Uh, but you're, you're using stuff to make it look, you know, hand drawn, right? Yeah. And there's just a lot of times in the movie where I don't know if it's like lighting or if it's like too much camera motion or something happens basically where you see it for what it is and you actually can see the 3D and you're like, Ugh. Yuck. Mm. This gives me the ick. It you just know? looks too CGI or Yeah, like it just like suddenly looks CGI? like that shit again, you know? Like it ends up looking like worse than if it was just regular how to train your dragon CGI. Exactly. Yeah. Weird. Um and I don't know if it's necessarily worse or what. Like if the whole movie looked like that, maybe it would still look cool or whatever, but it's just like these moments where it like accidentally like you know, like the, the they live glasses where you put them on and you're like, ah! <laughs> oh, no. That's it's what just, it is. It's just bad CGI. Yeah. So that's just all disappointing. Um, things that are good about it. Um, I mean, obviously, the bacon, egg, and cheese bit is incredible. Um, I think Jackie Chan is pretty great. Um, he plays Splinter. Yeah. Um, well, so he's a Chinese guy. No, but I mean, he's still. Oh, well, I don't know. He's not anything. He's a rat. So I know. <laughs> he's but a New the, Yorker. The actor is Chinese. The actor is Chinese, but um, in the original, you know, in the originals, he's like a he's a Japanese, you know, ninja, yeah. whatever. Um, he's really good. His bit is like he's he's like a protective dad, um, and he has great like dad chops in this. <laughs> okay. He just really does that role really well. He's really funny. He yeah. has this recurring bit where like he's, you know, he's trying to like instill a fear of humans into the turtles. And so he's like, um, he's like, you know, humans, they just want to use you. They just want to like learn about the mutation. So they're going to like, instead of saying like, they're going to like amputate you, he's like, they're going to milk you for your blood. And like, somebody <laughs> keeps using the word milk and they're always just like, they're always like, we don't even have nipples. Like how can they milk us? And then like, uh, in, one of the climaxes of the movie, they get captured 
uh, by you know scientist people, and they they get hooked up to a milking machine. <laughs> And they're like, they like see the machine there and they're like, they're like, no, it can't be. You're really going to milk us? And then like Splinter comes and rescues them. And he's like, what is that machine? They're like, it's nothing. It's nothing. Don't worry about it. So that bit is really fun. Um, and again, I think Splinter it really steals the show. Uh, unfortunately, because I really was looking forward to the turtles uh, being really funny and charming, yeah, and being kids and and having yeah. a fun time. And it's weird they like, um, I don't know, they kind of like pussy out of it a little bit. Where like, if you look at the voice actors for the turtles, like two of them are kids. One of them is like a you know like a borderline kid to young adult, and then one of them is straight up like in his twenties. And, you know, Leonardo kind of really comes off that way. I guess he's supposed to be the mature one in in the lore and whatever. And Mikey is supposed to be the childish one. But I don't know. They're all fucking kids. They're they're all supposed to be the same age. Like, I kind of think, I don't know, they should all kind of be dumbasses. And it's kind of a shame (laughs) that they're not. Yeah, I guess they were having to solve, like, plot problems, maybe. Mm. Um, Well, so you're saying you wouldn't recommend it for an adult? Uh it's a tough one it's a it's it's a real tweener here you know it's really kind of hitting in the middle for me i feel like maybe i'd give it a i i'd give it a soft recommend i think it's still it's still neat it's still an interesting spin on the turtles i just think come into it with the right expectation you know i definitely came into it with higher expectations than i should have had I see. You thought it was going to be like a really fun time and it was yeah, just like... and it was only kind of okay. So is it is it like really for kids though? Like it's like a really baby movie? It's hard to say. It's really interesting because it is, yeah, it does have a lot of the classic hallmarks of a four babies movie. But then like, like everything is really scary. Like there's a real like body horror-ness to <laughs> the mutants. Like a lot of them look really fucked up. And like uh, Superfly at the end kind of turns into like a... Uh, like an Akira style, like blob thing. Of Are just you sure like, this movie doesn't look cool? <laughs> I mean, it does look cool when it looks cool, but it's just like, I'm telling you, like there's times you're going to notice when you watch it, you're going to notice, you're going to be like, eh, you oh, fucked no. up. <laughs> yeah. I wonder why they made a new villain. Cause like, well, Mondo Gecko and Roxetti and Bebop, they're all, yeah, they're all real from the show or whatever, the comics. Uh, yeah. Superfly. Uh, I don't know if they maybe, is he did they just make him up? Yeah, they did. Um I don't know, but um Shredder uh, gets teased in a post-credit scene. Yeah, I wonder if they will make a se- sequel cuz it was it cost 70 and made 167, so yeah, it's like I mean, kind of a middling a big, success yeah. for them. I'd say that's a success, so especially considering like it was only in theaters for a couple weeks before uh before it hit um streaming. Oh, really? Yeah, so I'd say it's probably I'd say yeah. they probably consider this one a success. Uh, they'll probably make another one. Um, maybe we'll get a better movie. Maybe. So, sometimes it takes a little while to like, work out the kinks with a cast like this. So. Mm-hmm. But those kids we'll are see. only getting older. <laughs> yeah, they're going to make it right you now. Know, maybe the viral success of the bacon, egg, and cheese bit will inspire them to be like, maybe we should just make them dumber. You know, yeah, <laughs> We should make this more sure. of a thing in the next movie. And also like make them... like read the script less because it sounds mm-hmm. like what i've seen of like the clips is like the least convincing and worst stuff is when they're like leo we have to go over here like yeah 
don't we don't need that mm-hmm. <laughs> give us the riffing yeah so Bryn. yes i must know mm. what did you watch this week this week i watched 1991's romantic musical comedy cool as ice huh. starring vanilla ice <laughs> wow <laughs> i've never heard of that uh you've never seen the vanilla ice movie Mm-mm. okay uh, if you're young, you may not remember, there was the first uh, big white rapper besides the Beastie Boys, the first like packaged, we're going to make money off of this whole hip hop thing. When I was young, uh, was Vanilla Ice. Yeah. He was a man. He did the song, speaking of Ninja Turtles, he did the Go Ninja Go, Go, Ninja, Ninja, Go, Go Ninja Go song. He's famous for ripping off uh, Under Pressure. With his Ice Ice ra- Baby song. Yeah, it's, sa- it it's a sample. I mean, it's, it's a, a sample. fucking sample. <laughs> it's fine. Um, there was like controversy. There was the a controversy about it. Because people didn't understand st- sampling. Um, and Vanilla Ice was not a very smart dude and didn't really know how to explain that to people. Um, it is a funny like in- indication of like the uh, kind of racist culture that we have that like, <laughs> you know, for because at the time, you know, Vanilla Ice's first album is 1990. So hip hop's already been around for like a decade and a half at that point. Right. And like the first time that anybody ever is like, hey, they're stealing music is like when it's a white guy. Cause like the whole time before that, they're just like, well, we know what they do. Yeah, they're thieves. <laughs> Why are you doing this? You're um, not supposed to do that. <laughs> um, but this movie is a uh, favorite of my friends, and I hadn't actually watched it. Uh, mm-hmm. And it was my friend Allison's birthday. Uh, it's my birthday next week, so we've sort of been sharing birthdays. Um, and we were hanging out, and Allison wanted to watch Cool as Ice, because they love it. Um, now, you might be asking, what could a movie that is a vehicle for Vanilla Ice possibly be about? <laughs> And the answer is not much. Um, but what is interesting about this movie, it was a huge failure, financial flop. It cost $6 million and it made $1.2 million. Mm. Uh, this is 1991 at the height of his fame. Um, so it just, I, it, it also came out like in the middle of, uh, I think a lot of other stuff, but it's just generally, it has no story. Right. Like, there's nothing to this movie. Here's what's interesting about this movie. This movie is shot by Janusz Kaminski, <laughs> who shot Schindler's List. Uh, <laughs> um, and uh, among uh, many other, Minority Report, uh, The Terminal, he's a diving bell in the butterfly. The man's an Oscar award winning. I think he's won an Oscar. He should have uh, if he hasn't. Pretty sure he's a Academy Award Winner, yes, for Schindler's Either way, List. he's quite prestigious. For, for Saving Private Ryan, been nominated many times. Can the I just movie- read the um the the uh, like the the synopsis line here? Sure. And just just I mean, this is like incredible on its own. <laughs> the plot focuses on Johnny Van Owen, that's right, a freewheeling motorcycle riding rapper who uh-huh. arrives in a small town and meets Kathy, an honor student who catches his eye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the movie. Yeah, so I. What I say about this movie is that it's uh, it's not going to make any sense. The movie doesn't have any s- real story, but I can't describe enough how gorgeous this movie is. Like, it's <laughs> one of the most beautiful 
looking movie like it's so so strange it feels like a dream um there's a lot of very weird stuff in this movie um but the plot of it is that uh vanilla ice is he plays johnny and him and his crew of motorcycle riding rappers right they're like traveling i guess is the idea they like play shows or do dances or whatever um they uh go to the small town i guess to play a show but that's never established they don't mm-hmm. really ever play a show um but his mo- his motorcycle breaks down okay um, so he's touring on a motorcycle is what oh, you're no. saying sorry not his motorcycle one of his friends motorcycles break down uh so they're I don't, all touring on motorcycles they don't have equipment that they need to like bring around with them nope they go around and they this is all inference by the way like we don't really ever see them doing this mm-hmm. um the closest we get is uh they crash a concert where like some nerds s- are playing i see s- some like college radio nerds are playing and then they like unplug them and take over incredible and do like a dance <laughs> music sequence oh look at him <laughs> what a uh, glorious man he was <laughs> uh, and ice or johnny uh so basically he runs into literally he jumps a fence with his uh motorcycle and tries to talk to this girl named kathy uh who's riding dressage um horses mm-hmm. and um and he's like hey you're hot let's fuck and he's i mean he's not as forward as that he just like gives people eyes yeah. and she's like fuck you weirdo and then uh her boyfriend is a weird like abusive asshole of course and so he's able to sort of like force his way into her life her then what's weird is that her parents end up being like in witness protection (laughs) from Mm -hmm. the mafia (laughs) or something and then the mafia turns out to be after her and then him and his friends have to save her that's the sort of like this is crazy it looks really cool (laughs) dude it's incredible looking it's it's terrible i mean it looks like blowout you know, it looks, like it looks like I, a. Re- <laughs> I, I hesitate to say this, but it kind of looks better than Blowout. <laughs> like it's, if you have any sort of like nostalgia or like if your aesthetic tastes have been like sort of shaped by the '90s, mm-hmm. this looks like the most beautiful love letter to the '90s that could ever exist. Um, but it actually just is from the '90s. But it's from 1991 somehow. But it feels like a fever dream of it. Um, the opening sequence with for some reason has um uh, a cameo by Naomi Camel. Mm. Um who, and that's a really crazy sequence. Um a lot of it just kind of feels like a music video, but like luckily you don't have a lot of vanilla ice music. Like there's a lot oh, of that's great. <laughs> other soundtrack that is really interesting and really Look at cool. His fucking hair, dude. <laughs> He's got um for folks not looking at this right now. He's got like a uh, like a high and tight sort of a look, uh, very big and shaggy on top. And then on the tight sides, he's got on one side of his head, bricks uh, are, yes. are shaved into it. And on the other side, cool a big, hair. weird, like lightning bolt sort of thing. Everything in this movie looks like uh, like a Christian Dior designed super soaker. Like... <laughs> <laughs> If that makes sense. Yes, it really um, does. It's uh, So there's really not a lot to it. It's hard to say. The performances are 
fucking awful. So you can kind of watch this movie as a so bad it's a good movie, but then you also are confronted with just like some of the most beautiful cinematography of like these kinds of things that you've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it'll just like there's her little brother is like a little bit um kind of reminds me of the way like uh Speed Racer's brother is handled in uh speed racer oh yeah yeah yeah. Uh where all of a sudden it's just like you're in a commercial for a video game yeah and like like, um it's like a commercial for like a really sour candy yeah exactly (laughs) and then just be like zooming around the house don't let mom fucking take this from you hide it in your bedroom (laughs) all of a sudden you're in that and that's in the movie and then your mom tries to take it from you slash your tires (laughs) (laughs) she can't keep you from blowing out your taste buds (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> your parents have no control over you <laughs> they'll never control you burn the house down <laughs> <laughs> you are an ubermensch uh yeah and then like her bedroom is like some fairy tale like cocteau twins music video and just has this like huge fishbowl with like a hundred blue fishes in it <laughs> it like it's psychotic it, it doesn't make any sense but i have to uh recommend it's 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 really strange one of the strangest movies you will ever see um it's a little boring in places like when like there's a sequence where they go to this like construction site and just like have a fun date for like Mm -hmm. the entire length of a four minute song that's like an interesting (laughs) 90s song i think but like it's just it's like the video for bound two by kanye like they're just like riding a motorcycle and like kissing and he's got his hair and she's got her like sundress and they're just like spinning around, but it's so long, gorgeous looking, but it's just a music video, I guess. Um, so there's lots of stuff like that. And then there's like, we're like, it's, what's also strange is like the mobster stuff isn't handled like kids movie mobsters. It's mm-hmm. like a real mobster movie for for like moments, but just like one scene. Uh, and then you cut back to like Vanilla Ice unable to make a human expression. <laughs> like they literally are cu- cutting around his reactions just to like find something that kind of makes sense because he's such a bad actor. They like can't even stay on him long enough for it to make any sense. There's all these great cuts where he like starts to make a face and then they cut away. <laughs> <laughs> um great uh, it's a it's a it's really special it's it's there's nothing else like cool as ice it's so strange and i have to recommend it uh um, wow again not a good movie but definitely a, a watch if you if any of that sounds interesting at all to you that does sound very interesting to it's, me i might just watch it this week honestly <laughs> it's it's 90 minutes it goes by real quick uh, oh, also, I have to mention, all of his friends are black and get zero lines. Mm. Like, not one of them speaks. And because they are, they they go to this, like, Dr. Seuss, like, uh, farmhouse where they, like, all, like, both of the husband and wife are wearing, like, clothes that are covered in vegetable patterns. And they're like, we can fix up your bike. And then for the entirety of the movie, like, literally the first hour and 15 minutes, which is almost the entire movie, they just hang out there. (laughs) And that looks like another commercial for, like, I don't know, clothes, I guess. Like, (laughs) it looks like a 90s, 
like Michael Jackson video and mm-hmm. they're just like they will just like cut back to them and they're just waiting. Like there's a whole <laughs> like there's a whole there's a whole thread of this movie where these ki- these people who you just don't know anything about are just waiting. <laughs> But there's like a sequence where they watch something on TV and then like the one of his friend is just like, it's a, it's a straight on shot of his face and he's just like bathed in like blue light and it looks like belly and, (laughs) and like, there's like all these weird patterns behind him and he's like, whoa. And this like whole sequence happens where he's watching TV uh, and it's like important for some reason. I think it's like the news of this girl's family or whatever. And he's going to go tell ice, but it's this like gorgeous looking sequence and it means nothing. It's just like the most empty, insane thing. It's funny. It's a really weird movie. Okay. <laughs> so let's get to the feature presentation. Let's do it this week as, uh, as ordered by the dark council, uh, as the final week of remake month, we remake. watched the 2010 American Western film, True Grit. Directed by Joel and Ethan Cohen. Written by Joel and Ethan Cohen. Uh, uh, starring, shot, shot by Roger Deakins. Starring Jeff Bridges, Matt Damon, Josh Brolin, Haley Steinfeld, and I guess Barry Pepper. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, lots of fun uh, cameos in this movie. J.K. Simmons' voice is in it. Mm-hmm. Um, Domhnall Gleeson is in it. Um, Josh Brolin doesn't show up to the very end, so it's kind of like a cameo. Um but yeah, so before we get into the plot of the movie, uh, had you seen this before? Yes, I saw this in theaters. Oh. Um, and then I believe I had it on DVD. Um, so I've at least seen it twice. Um, I you remember... Mean twice before this. Yes. Uh, and and um, yeah, I mean, I remember loving it when it came out. This was probably at the height of my like caring about movies. Um, okay. this was like, this was a time period where I'm like, really, I'm really into like going to see movies and, and like staying on top of like, what's, you know, what's going to hit the, uh, what's going to hit the awards circuit, trying to stay on top of it, you know? Um, and this was definitely one of those, I believe it was nominated for a bunch of shit. Um, I believe you're right. Film won the broadcast film critics associate award for best young performer, it was nominated um, for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten Academy Awards. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, one nothing. One nothing. Yeah, but ten is a lot. <laughs> ten is a lot, <laughs> including Best Picture, Best Director, Best Cinematography. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, I was, I was, I definitely was really into this movie. Kind of crazy that they consider Steinfeld a supporting actress, but she's the main character. She's literally the main character. Um, yeah, that's some. Uh, what do they what did they ageism no 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 what did they call it um oscars do better oscar so white oh yeah oscar uh, so white this is oscars so old oscars so is what i say so misogynist yeah um, um yeah no Haley seinfeld is incredible in this movie and definitely deserved whoever she was up against mm-hmm. <laughs> probably probably um, yeah uh, what, did you see this? What was your experience with this? Uh, this was a movie. Uh, so Coen Brothers at this point are on the hottest streak of their career. I'd argue. Mm-hmm. Um, they were. They had a little stumbling block um, during the early two thousands uh, uh, with um, Intolerable Cruelty and Lady Killers, but then they came back 
just punch after punch with No Country for Old Men, Burn After Reading, and A Serious Man one after the other. I mean, these are all like, and then it's True Grit, and then it's Inside Lou and Davis. I mean, those are all bangers. Just like the hottest streak of their career, I think by far. I mean, I... I guess you could argue, I guess you could argue Fargo, Big Lebowski, and Oh Brother Where Art Thou are probably three of their top five. I mean, so that's people, kind of a pretty strong little run depends, as well. It also depends on what you want from them because like people consider Miller's Crossing and Barton Fink and Hudsucker Proxy like some of their best movies. So the, they're just like one of the most consistent directors of all time. Like, yeah, I mean, they really make big time hits. The, the fact that they have two like lackluster movies in the middle there is like... <laughs> it's it's hardly even worth mentioning considering how great everything else they made for how long they did it um and i'm very excited about drive away dolls tragedy of macbeth was great um they're still doing it they're doing they're still making great stuff um but uh so so at this point uh i had just seen a serious man in theaters and that is my personal favorite of their movies mm-hmm. um i think it's one of the best movies ever. I think it's fantastic. Yeah, it's pretty um, up there for me. I think. Hmm. So for true, so for True Grit, I was. Um, they're a tough one to rank. I will say oh, it's a. They've really got at hard. least. I would say arguably they've got at least five movies that I would consider their best movie. I would say they're. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would say they're definitely like close to, definitely top three best American filmmakers yeah. in history. Easily, um, yeah. Like up there for me with like David Lynch and um, I can't even think of another. Oh, I guess Kubrick is technically yeah. American, even yeah, though he went, to Br- <laughs> he went to London and was like afraid of America. But he's from the Bronx. Um, yeah, but no, they're incredible. So I was I was a big Cohen head, um, but I do remember not finding the time. This was the year I moved to New York. Um, I was seeing a lot of movies, but I think I just somehow missed this one. Um, Probably was traveling for Christmas or something and just never made it. I did see it that next year on on Netflix, I think, uh, in 2011, and uh, enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, But I will say my impression of it at the time was that it wasn't really what I wanted from them because mm-hmm. uh I loved Serious Man, I loved No Country. I like when they're a little more serious uh or a little more funny. Um Yeah. And this movie for me was like, well that was good. I think I came into it with much higher expectations mm-hmm. uh than it than I needed to. Um because they'll do this sometimes, right? They'll they'll they have like No Country is like this kind of sprawling like dark piece about a lot of stuff serious man is an existential like panic attack yeah i mean inside lewin davis same sort of deal like yeah yeah it's interesting like true grit is really like looking at their whole you know their whole uh uh you know their whole repertoire like it's really the most like straight down the plate movie they've ever made like this is this is easily their most like this is just a movie, you know, <laughs> like, is it, that, they well, don't really do this very often where they're just like, it's, it's a movie. It's you a know, this isn't a lot well, of stuff crammed together. This a, isn't like a million ideas that we've somehow condensed into a perfectly formed little ball. This is a movie. It's a 
genre movie specifically yeah. and uh, you know they they like to play with the genre and like take a like for example big lebowski is a noir movie but mm-hmm. it is of course not a normal noir movie it's in the present and it's about slackers and it's this whole it reinvented the noir you know they like to you know a brother art thou is a classic uh you know it's based off ulysses and he's a not Ulysses, um, uh, the Odyssey. Oh, sorry, the Odyssey. He's Ulysses. Um, and uh, isn't that his name? In no, the movie? Odysseus. Oh, di- no, no Ulysses is just a whole different thing. I don't remember what Ulysses is about, Ulysses by the way. Ulysses is a James Joyce thing. Um, it's about farting. George Clooney's character is named Ulysses Everett McGill. Mm. They call him Everett. But he's based uh, on Odysseus from the Odyssey. That's right. And then in parentheses, Ulysses. I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, we are not Grecian scholars. But uh, <laughs> um, anyway, that movie is like sort of within a structure of some sort of classic genre. But it's, of course, set in the south of America and about prisoners. And it's all this other stuff. This movie is a Western. Yeah. It is a straight ahead Western. Its only real thing is that its kind of main character is a young girl. Um that's how the re it's a, also a remake, which they mm-hmm. don't normally do. Um, not, uh, not straight ahead like this anyway. Um, actually have they, Oh, they remade lady killers, <laughs> uh, with Tom Hanks, mm-hmm. um, which was one of their biggest failures. So it's a weird, it is a weird left hook from them. Um, so what is this movie about? So we have, um, what is the actress's name? Um, fuck. I went to the wrong tab there for a second. Um, yeah, Haley Steinfeld plays Maddie. She is a precocious little girl whose father was murdered, and she's seeking revenge. Um, and she goes to this town where it happened. She um, you know, is trying to get justice for him. She... Uh, they say basically that the guy escaped and he went into Indian territory and there's nothing they can do about it uh, because they don't have jurisdiction there. So she hires a a guy who's basically a, you know, he's not a bounty hunter, but he's basically a bounty hunter. Uh, they meet another bounty hunter who's also looking for this guy. Uh, he wants to bring the guy to Texas. She says, no, I want him tried here for my father's murder, not for whatever the fuck you're getting after him for. Uh, right. He did something in Texas, too. Mm hmm. And they that. go out uh, into Indian territory to look for him. Uh, a whole bunch of shit transpires uh, throughout their search. But basically, they're they're searching for the guy. They split up a bunch of different times and come back together a bunch of different times. Um, and then uh, in kind of like a last moment, uh, they just happen upon him um, uh, watering his horse. And uh, she shoots him, and then he kidnaps her. And uh, she's... Um, She's being held captive, and then they the the two fellows rescue her. The two fellows are Jeff Bridges and Matt Damon, by the way. Um, uh-huh. Incredible actors doing incredible performances. <laughs> uh, incredibly charismatic. Um, you know, chemistry out the wazoo. The whole fucking three yeah. of them. And they rescue her, and they kill the guy, and then she gets bit by a snake, and Jeff Bridges uh, just kind of does this epic, you know, uh, run through the night to get her to safety. She loses her arm. And then many years later, she tries to reunite with him, but can't because he's already dead. Yeah. And that's the basics of the story. And now, now the thing about the, the thing about the movie is that while the story is pretty paint by numbers, um, I mean, it's an interesting story. It's a, 
it's a classic it's, not, it's a classic western you know it's like it it, it has a yeah. fun little story to it with some twists and some turns um there's there's a great sense of adventure i mean what really makes this movie stand out to me is the chemistry between them and their individual performances kind of on their own right like jeff bridges in this movie is like he's playing kind of like a sloppy drunkard and like the drunk stuff is like okay it's kind of funny kind of stupid but his ability to just slam fucking home run one-liners in this movie is just <laughs> unfucking real. I mean, they're like every 10 minutes, there's just like a little moment where he just gets to say a one-liner just straight down the barrel and and you know, just like right into the camera. And every time, it's really funny. <laughs> it's really good. I'm surprised how funny the movie is most of the time, you know? Like, yeah, there's a great one where they, they find this doctor kind of out in the out in the wilderness he's got a dead body on the back of his horse and like he comes up and you can see him for a minute you know it's just some guy in a bear skin you know coat uh and then you see him for a minute rolling up and then it just cuts to jeff bridges and says you are not labeef and it just <laughs> fucking kills <laughs> yeah so uh there's a quote here on um the uh wikipedia that says um the movie, the original movie is not really from the perspective of Maddie. Mm-hmm. Like the movie was like, well, it's a John Wayne movie. So it'll be kind of about rooster and the girl will sort of be a side. Now I haven't seen the, uh, 1969 film. Yeah. Uh, which is pretty late for John Wayne. Um, but the, the casting of Maddie in that movie, she's a 23 year old actress. Mm. Um, so pretty different. Um, and I think that they sort of, she's sort of the side character, uh, and the movie is more focused on John Wayne and whoever's playing Labeef. Um, and so Ethan said, uh, the book is entirely in the voice of the 14 year old girl. And that sort of tips the feeling of it in a certain way. I think the book is much funnier than the movie was. So I think unfortunately they lost a lot of the humor in both the situations and in her voice. It also ends differently. Blah, blah, blah. But I think, I, I really think that what this was, was they s- read this book and were like, there's already a movie and we can make this movie better. Yeah. And I think for, for a director, you know, directors with this sort of track record, you know, to, to take a sort of classic John Wayne Western and be like, we can make a better Western. Yeah. Uh, is bold, but like, they were a hundred percent right. Even though I haven't seen that movie, I can't, if you're a great fan of it, please tell me if you think that the old movie is better. But I think that this is one of the best Westerns I've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, and it's like a proper Western, right? Like it's, it's not a, yeah, it's not a spin on a Western. It's not like a, you know, it's not like poking fun at the tropes. It's not like doing any of the stuff that you expect from the Coen brothers in that way. Like we were saying where like, you know, uh, Big Lebowski is a noir movie, but it's very much like a wink at the camera. Like we get it, you know. This is yeah. what's funny about noir movies, sort of a movie. This is not a. This is what's funny about westerns movie. This is a. This is what's cool about westerns movie. <laughs> yeah, but it does have a lot of humor in it, uh, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Um, yeah, the humor just comes from the performances, you know. Right, uh, from them all sort of being over it Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh and sort of just like taking i think sort of taking the the premise to logical conclusions of just like there's these people who are just doing their job Mm -hmm. like 
they're they're not heroes of the west you know these are people who are you know post civil war like fighters and mean sons of bitches who are just assholes and just trying to get through life mm-hmm. um and what's interesting the the juxtaposition there is that maddie is someone who doesn't really have that Mm-hmm. Um, like give upness to her. She's fourteen and wants vengeance, <laughs> yeah. but is like not capable of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she just has this very strong sense of value and and virtue about like this is how justice should work. And the movie is sort of taking you through her finding out what like the world she lives in is really like. Yeah, and she like it's very interesting the way that they write her. I mean, I assume this is probably a lot from the book but like i'm very intrigued by uh this kind of spin on a precocious young girl where like a lot of times like precociousness will will be portrayed as like she's like wise and she's funny and she's like able to get along with adults in a way where in this one like I've, I've never really seen this take where it's just like, no, she's just more serious than everybody else. Like she is yeah. just like more serious and more tuned in. And like, you know, people underestimate her because she's a little girl, but she's like so fucking dead on that. She's just like able to just like cut through people like a fucking knife, you know, <laughs> like yeah. you get this great couple of sequences of her um, negotiating with this horse trader guy uh, and just absolutely fucking like fleecing him, like finessing this guy <laughs> out of so much money. Uh, and then she go like, she's like trying to negotiate the sales of these horses that he like already has. And, like, <laughs> but like she has some sort of entitlement to, I don't remember exactly what the particulars of her, it are. Her father bought the horses, mm-hmm. but then died. So doesn't, she, she's like, I can't take them. So you're going to give me back the money. The deal can't happen because he's dead. Right. And he's like, well, oh, okay. <laughs> and he like doesn't want to. And then she ends up getting like more than the dad paid for them. <laughs> right. Because he like paid 250 and then she ends up getting 350 by confusing him. Yeah. And then and she then, goes and- back the next day and he's like, well, these horses are worthless. And now that I'm going to sell them to a glue factory. And she's like, I'll buy one back for 10 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> And he's like, God damn it. Yeah, it uh, fucking rocks. And, and this is, so what's really hard is that like, I think it's really difficult for children to be main characters in a movie that aren't about kids. Mm-hmm. Because when you, when you do a movie that's about kids, they can be just adults, you know, or they can be like, they can be just kids. But when you have this sort of situation where it's this very precocious child, you run the risk of making them very annoying to the audience. Mm-hmm. Um, these sort of try hard kids. Um, and not very many movies pull this off. But like you're saying, it's like they took this really interesting tact of like everyone is annoyed at her. And because everyone in the movies annoyed at her, for being this sort of like know-it-all like I want everything my own way kind of person you kind of start rooting for her mm-hmm. because she what she wants is sort of understandable um and that's uh, but it really kind of all relies on the fact that uh Haley's performance is out of control yeah like 
you know, whatever. The, the Coen brothers are in obviously very good actor directors. Yeah. But this is like another level to get this kind of performance out of a, she is. It's like, like her 14. first big movie. Um, she's had a couple, she has a couple things before this, but this is her first big role. And yeah, I mean like to, to get this out of a kid period is, is pretty impressive, but to get this, out of somebody who's like brand new to this. Um, she was 16 when it came out. Mm-hmm. So probably, yeah, she's probably 15 when it's being yeah. filmed. Um, yeah, there it's, it's just, this is her first feature length movie. She's the thing that she's in before this or the things are, are short films. So yeah, very impressive some, stuff there. She was in some like MTV or Nickelodeon. She was like in some Nickelodeon like television shows, mm-hmm. um, like as like really small roles. Um, so yeah, this is really incredible stuff to ju- just to watch it just for her performance. I would say is valuable. Um, but then she's also surrounded by Jeff Bridges, who is doing a performance that he hadn't really done. I think after this movie, they kind of. Hollywood was like, do this, be an old grumpy man. Mm -hmm. Um, He does Tron after this, I think. Yeah. Um, And other, he, he, he did, he did a bunch of other movies after this where he kind of played sort of a grumpy old man. Uh, But this was the first time I remember him playing something like that. I guess in crazy heart, he was sort of like that. Um, I guess Tron came out the same year. Um, but his performance and like you said, the writing in this movie is uh <laughs> is just so funny. Uh they give him this like real thorn in his side. He was like a Confederate soldier. <laughs> so mm-hmm. He's like a huge asshole. Uh he has this like real like him and Matt Damon have this big argument over um a historical general named William Quantrill who was like <laughs> not a general he was just a murderer like he was just an insane racist guy <laughs> who uh let let a group of confederate soldiers called the quantrills raiders uh and it was basically just like uh a ku klux klan type thing um terrible guy but they have an argument over him and that's very funny yeah um they have a lot of great little little arguments between them about like you know who can shoot better like yeah they're just always dick measuring like tall tales that guys tell to each other about you know like i love the the bit where like matt damon is like you know i'm not used to like big fires like this and like how much (laughs) water you have access to and like you know like uh maddie is like very obviously like you know playing into it more like she like believes it more because she doesn't know better and jeff bridges has this great like you know because uh matt damon says like i've drank i've drank water out of a horse hoof print in the ground and i was happy to see it and he's like (laughs) yeah i've heard that from a lot of texans before and you know (laughs) i believed it the first 20 times (laughs) (laughs) sounds like you're all fucking liars uh yeah and i think it's also very smart to give Maddie that to play off of where these two grown men are acting like children and like little high school, you know, bickering. Right. Well, that's what I was going to say is like part of the fun of her precociousness is that she's often the adult in the situation. Like her seriousness is treated the same way that like, 
like little boys treat their moms where there's like uh fine <laughs> we'll, we'll you know we'll we'll clean up god <laughs> <laughs> yeah um so it's just a lot of fun uh there's a lot of it, it's just it's also really short mm-hmm. um for i guess it's not that short it's, it's not that it's short a, it's almost two it's hours an hour tw- it's an hour 20 um, but it feels like it just flies by. No, it's not by. hour 20. It's, it's uh, 120. No, it's 110. 110 oh, is, so it's is just shy of two hours. 50. Wow. Yeah. It's so long, but it's it feels pretty so long. short. Yeah, I was going to say, like, this is one of those rare movies where, like, I, like, we're getting into something and I'm like, I'm like, ooh, hell yeah. And then I like look at the time and I'm like, oh, it's almost over. Yeah. <laughs> And I think that's because the sort of setup and getting to know Maddie is kind of long. Like mm-hmm. they, you you take you take a good half hour, maybe longer before you get actually on the road, and she forges the river on her horse. Yeah. Um. And uh, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of getting to know her and what her situation is and trying to swindle <laughs> Rooster into taking her and. Uh, and all that stuff is very fun. Like before you even get out to the fun part, the movie's fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I just think it's a really fun, sweet movie. Yeah. This um, is a classic, just good ass time. You know, like I don't think this hits the peaks of the Coen brothers career. Like this is definitely not a, a top tier Coen, but this is a fucking good time. Well, you I know? think that's what I think it speaks to, the Coen's uh, oeuvre uh, is that this movie would be the crowning achievement of another director. Mm-hmm. Like this movie would be like any other random guy's like best movie. Like, yeah, and oh, by remember a when lot, he, you know, like. yeah, and this is maybe one of like on the lower half, I would definitely not in the top half of the movies they've made but and to just, put it in to put it in our terms like this is easily a first column movie yeah you sure yeah, yeah. it's it's uh let me look at this first column <laughs> yeah no totally <laughs> totally it's a it's a it's a great time and, and i think if you go in my my reason that i was sort of low on it when i first saw it and it, it i wasn't low on it it was a very like okay that was a cute movie um is the expectation that it's a Coen brother movie where mm-hmm. it's like has these bigger themes it has these like moments of real emotion and uh and confusing emotion that's what i love about Coen brothers is that they're never they're never schmaltzy they're never like kidding big like tearful home runs sometimes they do but it's always bizarre you're always mm-hmm. like not sure what you're supposed to be feeling like uh one of the sadder movies they made, uh, Lewin Davis. Yeah. Um, it's like all of the emotion in that movie is like clouded and covered because that's how he is. He's a guy who's pushing all of his grief and, and trauma down and only letting it out through his songs. And so you barely get to see it. You get like little hints uh, of it throughout the movie. And then when you finally get like the weight of it, it's, it's crushing, but they don't ever just do the obvious thing. And um, this is just one time they decided let's do the obvious thing. And they're great at it, <laughs> of course. So if you don't expect them to feed you a ton of 
like nutritious value. Uh, this is just the best dessert that anyone's ever made. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they don't usually serve this kind of food here, but you got to admit it's one of the best parfaits you've ever had is basically how I feel about it. Mm-hmm. Um, there aren't a lot of movies like this that I would go out of my way to see. Um, I'm not a huge Western fan. Yeah. But honestly, like after watching this movie, I straight up Googled like good Westerns. I'm like, <laughs> I want to watch more Westerns. I felt the same way after uh, Treasure of the Sierra Madre. Right. Where I watched it, I'm like, maybe I do fucking like Westerns. Maybe <laughs> I want to check this shit out more. Yeah, but unfortunately, it's a genre that is very hit or miss, I think. Mm-hmm. I, and maybe a lot more misses for me than than hits. Um, but, you know, it... it it's a it's more for me that it's a period piece you know like it's i i wonder what they exactly they're interested in this movie for Mm -hmm. um i think there's an interesting time and place here like there's a certain level of like lawlessness that kind of inspires this existential like death doesn't matter or isn't as heavy Mm -hmm. in this like culture that they're in like um, like Maddie never really seems to be grieving her father like and she never seems to be really mad <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and there's also like there's one woman that she talks to I think in the hotel that she's staying in with grandma where it's like someone just like mentions that someone dies and it's like not a big deal yeah and there just seems to be this like this sort of sense that people just die because you're living on the edge of the universe and like we don't have like anything and there's well i was gonna say there's this interesting thing that happens when they're in that cabin with the two trapper brothers and like you know the one of them gets stabbed in the heart and the other one uh gets shot in the head right and so he's dead instantly the other one is dying and like to maddie it's this traumatic you know really really intense thing you could see it all over her face and she talks about it later how harrowing the whole experience was but the guy who's stabbed in the heart and dying like doesn't even <laughs> seem as bothered by he's just it. like damn it he's like oh i'm do- i'm done for sure and like <laughs> and he's like tell my brother that i'm dead <laughs> yeah it's like bury me nice not even like you know not even like a, oh i have regrets you know tell this person i'm sorry or anything like that he's like let my brother know i die <laughs> i don't want him to be confused and then he tells him yeah i'll bury you nice and then they don't <laughs> <laughs> i don't have time uh yeah no i think that for me is a texture that a lot of westerns don't really touch on and that's like a the kind of Thing that the Coens are really good at is like mm-hmm. making sure the world all makes sense, even outside of your main two characters. And I love that we get to see Maddie like grown up uh, mm-hmm. for a minute, and she's just like this hard ass lady who yeah. has no arm, and she's like, "Fuck you, man." Yeah, she's like, like "I never married. I never had time for it." And you're yeah. like, "Yeah, nice. <laughs> that, ma- that makes sense." <laughs> uh, yeah, and then she goes to like visit Rooster. Uh, 20 years later i think 25 yeah and uh he's like in these like one of these like wild bill shooting like traveling circuses um and uh she goes to see his old friends and he's died already and she's like 
kind of disappointed, but like, whatever. And like, the last thing she says is like, this guy who doesn't stand up or tip his hat to her, she's like, keep your seat trash. Yeah, I love that <laughs> so much. She's like, you don't even stand for a lady, you stupid bitch. <laughs> like, she's, she expects manners of everyone but herself, she's like a little bit autistic you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> she's I mean, uh, yeah, she like expects the world to work the way it's supposed to work. Yeah. yeah. I guess you're right. She is a little bit kind of autistic coded, I guess. Yeah. Uh, it's just such beautifully realized characters, uh, really fleshed out. Mm-hmm. And you get to spend a lot of time with them. And they get to, you get a lot of time hanging out and chemistry off the charts. Yeah. Uh, so it's just a really fun time. Yeah. Big time recommend coming from me. Big recommend. Yeah. I mean, like we said, Coen Brothers almost never miss. Uh, and while this isn't one of their best films, they it's still a fantastic one. Yeah. So uh, thanks, Dark Council, for letting us watch it. Um, it's funny that we've done two Coen Brothers movies, and I think they're yeah. both in the bottom half for us. I think um, if the Dark Council sees it fit... A Coen Brothers Month would be a nice treat for us. I, I think we'd love a little Coen Brothers Month. Uh, and not Lady Killers and in- <laughs> the good ones. Yeah, the good ones. Make, let us watch the good ones. Let us watch the good we've, ones. We've done a whole... We're, we're probably going to make it through the whole year doing Dark Council months. So as a little treat Almost. for us, maybe November... <laughs> think about making November <laughs> Coen Brothers Month. It's up to you. Up to but, you, obviously, but, you know. You know. They, they they blessed us with a uh, Tarantino Your close month, and personal and friends, fun. Bryn and Jeremy, would, would really appreciate would it. would love it if you did that. Uh, yeah, so thanks, everybody, for listening. This has been Generation Loss. That's the episode. Big recommend. If you'd like to hear more of our show and more things that we recommend, you can go to Generation Loss. No, you can go to patreon.com slash generation loss where you can get in the discord. You can get a bonus episode every week. You can join the Sopranos tier, which we had another referendum on, which landed on sense eight, which will be for the next two months. We'll be watching the Wachowski sisters show sense eight, which neither of us have seen, right? Uh, Yeah, no, I've not seen any of it. Yeah. So I'm excited to dig into that. Maybe it'll be good. Um, but next in two months, you can vote uh, on what the next thing we're going to watch is. Uh, also, you can join the Dark Council and tell us what we're going to watch. Maybe Coen Brothers. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, this next week, the we have decided the Dark Council has declared uh, it will be Body Horror Month. That's right. Um, now, we had a, quite a long conversation about what counts as body horror and it's such a very specific genre we decided to be pretty lenient on what that means um i because like even the things that a lot people get lauded as like body horror like from beyond one of my favorite body horror movies and really a body horror movie doesn't really happen to the protagonist it's sort of just a monster movie um so i think it's it's a pretty stretchy pun intended uh kind of definition so I think we can list off the movies. They're not in order yet, I don't think. And we don't have our our pick, um, which we'll do after we record. But uh, right now, the four movies we are watching from the Dark Council will be Eraserhead, one of my favorite movies of all time, uh, Reanimator, uh, another great film that I love, Martyrs from 2008, which I've never seen or heard of, and then the brand new 
in theaters this month, <laughs> Saw 10 or X. Um, so that'll be a fun one. I don't, we haven't gone to see a movie in the theater for the show in a long time. So yeah. that will be a good time. And then we will also decide which our pick will be. Um, so get ready for spooky times and the return of the spooky theme. <laughs> uh, yeah, so all that and more at patreon.com slash generation loss. Follow us on Twitter at GenLossPod. Follow us individually from there. And until next time, that's, that's movies. movies. The old gunfighter stood on the porch and stared into the sun and relived all the old days back when he was living by the gun. When deadly games of pride were played and living was mistakes not made. And the thought of the smell of the black powder smoke And the stand in the street at the turn of a joke The thought of the smell of the black powder smoke And the stand in the street at the turn of a joke And it's always keep you back to the sun And you can almost feel the weight of that gun It's faster than snakes or the blink of an eye And it's a time for all slow men to die His eyes get squinty and he's straight as a log as he empties his gun at the dirty dog and he's hit by the